to the Review with Joy and Company, featuring conversations with best-selling authors, as well as the hottest reviews with the authors you choose. We're inspiring the world through Christian literature. Stay logged on. We'd like to know, what are you reading? Once again, welcome to The Review. I'm Joy, and I am delighted to be in the midst of your company. It's Marvelous Monday, where we bring you insightful conversations with authors of faith-based literature. We provide a platform for writers who seek to enrich readers through their work. So if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and just a really good read, hang out with us here on The Review. Because, oh my God, just stay connected and discover the transformative power of faith-based literature. Like I said, it's Marvelous Monday. And before we jump into the stream, let's say hello to Rose Lewis. Good evening, everyone. And um, I'm going to do a very warm shout out to Rosemary Legrand. Hi there, Rosemary. Thank you for jumping in with us. I hope you're out there listening. And we've got a new producer in the house. We've got to say welcome to the review, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually a fellow show a host here uh, at Fishbowl, so he's working with us tonight, and um, we hope we don't work him too hard or wear him out. We thank you for helping us out, though. Really appreciate it. God bless you. Well, oh, guys, you guys, um, we have a book to talk about tonight. The title, Love Me to Life, Suicide Recovery at Church. There's a lot of mixed emotions about this topic, and I tell you, as I read that book, I had my share of mixed emotions also. But we're visiting with the author who dared to go here and talk about this topic that is, um, in most, most of the times, this topic is pretty taboo inside the four walls of a church. Um, and it's because it's very, very sensitive, very delicate, and uh, but mainly because we just don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to approach those who were uh, survivors, those who have been left behind from someone who has committed suicide, and we don't know how to approach those that we know have attempted suicide and didn't succeed, and they're working them with themselves back into mainstream. So it's a lot going on. I really um, also want to say, I, you know me, I'm going to pull up a little research. I'm going to do a little digging on something, and I was pretty astonished by the, the, some of the uh, statistics that I found out uh, regarding suicide, and the one that I found most disturbing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'll say your name in a minute, though, <laughs> that suicide is the second leading cause of death among teens and young adults, the second leading cause. I tell you, I'm getting a chill as I speak 
speak those words. So needless to say, I am honored and privileged to have an opportunity to review a book that's dealing with such a much-needed, delicate, and important subject that affects the youth of today. Um, and we're visiting with the author, Veronica Seitz. She has 20 sites. She has 20 years of experience in crisis response, a Master of Arts in Theology, a Doctor of Ministry, and in crisis response and suicide prevention. So she comes to us with just a tad bit of knowledge, you know, not a whole lot. <laughs> but I do want to say this, Veronica, it gives me great pleasure to say welcome to the review. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, an, it's an honor and I applaud your courage to bring me on with a tough topic because it is. We must face the giant. Yes, this is a giant. This is like the pink elephant, right? The mm -hmm. pink mm -hmm. elephant that sits on row three <laughs> in yes. the pew three in, in many churches. And yes. it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, I applaud you for taking the subject matter head on the way you did. Um, lots of and we'll we'll get into that. But give our audience a little snippet about the book. What what is this book about? This book is a practical help from the voice of not just research, but the voices of those touched by suicide, and that can include survivors of attempts, survivors of somebody that has died by suicide, and those that have attempted survived and no one reached out to them so yes. it's got a broad spectrum of voices that are contained within the book but it is actually it's it's meant to be a practical how to how do we minister where do we begin how do we um look at that pink elephant and say it is pink it is an elephant and it's got to move and we've got to address it and exactly. we've got to address it confidently you yes. know and um, I love the, the main point that I hear you saying in the book is that we have to address it from a biblical standpoint. Amen. And yes. I've never, we're, we're going to talk about that because when I began seeing those notes in your book, I was set back a little bit because I'm thinking, how do you address suicide from a biblical standpoint? Because, you know, mm -hmm. I was raised that that's the, the mortal sin. Mm -hmm. That's the abomination, the big one, you know, that you will go to hell for. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's what is instilled in a lot of people's minds. Uh, Rose, do we have to say hello to anyone? And can I ask you to check our visual? Because I feel like I'm sitting crooked right now. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, because yeah, the, the, the we're good? Go. We're good? No, you got it. You, you yeah. can tell me if it's good or not. Do uh, I need to move? No. We're good? Okay. We're good. So uh, what ignited the drive for you to write and publish this book, Veronica? You know, I, I've, I believe for much of my believing life following Christ that he doesn't waste a hurt. And unfortunately, my family has been touched by suicide, lost loved ones. And I began to realize as I prayed for that type of hurt, prior to ever being touched by it personally, the Lord just honestly gave me a burden. The first time I heard a flippant comment made about somebody that had tried to take their life, the first thing I heard was, A, it was a flippant comment. B, my heart just hurt. 
And I remember crying out to the Lord at that point. I, I, I do remember a day I asked the Lord. I said, mm-hmm. you know, if there's ever a day or a time I can do anything to help someone like that, I would do it in a minute, Lord. Yes. I forgot about that prayer, but he didn't. And so when those things were, touched my life and I was sifted through the process of healing, he reminded me for such a time as this, Mm-hmm. The voice will come from one not only touched, but part of my testimony, not my story, because I don't stay on that page. But the testimony of God's glory is that I survived an attempt and my identity remains in Christ and I will speak life. Praise the Lord. To the glory of him. Wow. You know, I can, I can, I'm getting a sense just from listening to you as we're making eye contact here that it's still very, um, endear, very sensitive, very, de- you know, dear. I'm passionate. passionate. I'm that, very that's passionate. the right word. Yeah. You're still very passionate about this, and rightfully so, justifiably so. Mm-hmm. Um, this topic, we, we've discussed so many different topics here on the review. We've been doing this for a moment or two. <laughs> and um, so I began to just go through the, my mental Rolodex to one thinking, have we ever dwelled into this topic before? And um, recently on our last season, one of our beloved authors, we love him dearly, presented his second book to us. Mm -hmm. And in reading his second book, we discovered that he had a bout Mm. with suicide. That he and, and and forgive me if you're listening and I'm saying it wrong, but the gist of it was help me out, Rose. He was in a garage or somewhere where is where no, he lived. His family had left and he was sitting on the bed. On in the and bed. And he put the gun across his lap. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but the voice of God I feel spoke to him at that yeah. moment. Because he knew the word. He just was overwhelmed and he it was a lot on him. You know how you get to that point that it's, it's, it's a breaking point. And he, he wanted to be uh, the man of God for his family. He didn't want to feel he'd let his family down yeah. with the crisis and that they were in at that time. Yeah. He just felt he wasn't giving all his all. Mm. And I think that can happen to any of us yes. in any situation. Definitely. But, you know, I, in reading your book, I want to make sure I'm clear. Are you feeling... Are you saying that you feel it is uh, the burden of the church to do something about it? Are you putting it on the church? The burden on my heart is that the church must not pull away from the opportunity to heal and walk along the broken. Because we have trauma in the pews. Uh, not, it's, a, it's not a burden on the, on the church. It's right. a burden on the Lord's heart that his okay. people minister to all things in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I, I guess from, from personal experience, mm-hmm. I don't feel that the uh, pastor himself is necessarily equipped to do it. No. And I feel that for the church to elicit people who are skilled enough to do it. Yes. Because I don't think that uh, lay people in some instances can even recognize the signs to help anybody. 
you know. Uh, I think there should be a situation where that if you need to cry for help, that there should be things said across the pews to let you know you can get help. You know, addressing subject matter, like if you're feeling this way today, there's some way, there's help for you. There's help for you here. You can call the church or you can, you know, whatever, their helpline or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Because I have, I have the situation where, uh, and you talk about being wounded by the church. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I went through a crisis myself uh, in literally a breakdown situation. And I felt that the pastors, they they didn't support me. They, to me, belittled me mm. and made me, made the congregation or people in the congregation feel that I wasn't fit. Mm. And that, that still, as you can probably look at me, mm -hmm. it, it still bothers me, mm -hmm. you know. But I think it takes a person with compassion and like you said, going through it, I think you are able to see the signs better. That's really, I, I do believe that's where the passion is. I won't say rooted. It's rooted in the love of God for people. Right. But the passion is, if you will, watered by the tears of how many people are really touched by the tragedy of suicide. Right. Um, we we so often just general generally it is spoken what the statistics are of the fatalities but i really shine a light on a statistic that that only partially represents because we have no idea what the opportunity is to make a difference we want to see the fatality numbers come down in order to do that we must recognize that behind every one fatality there are 25 now to 30 survivors that have attempted and every one of those has no less than 62 people that it's touched directly and that's the space that we the space and the opportunity that believers in christ have an opportunity and what the book has birthed and the next steps is I, I discussed that, you know, recovery should also be at church. You know, suicide yes. recovery should be within the walls of church, not exclusively, not only, and certainly recognizing we don't know what we don't know. But here's what I do know, and here's what I share in the book, is that statistics show us, and I'm not a statistician by any chance. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, I had to take a look at the numbers and look at the reality that if people are going to go to friends, co-workers, and clergy, and let me give the umbrella of clergy not being only the pastor right. or paid vocational ministers, but also the disciplers, the leaders of small groups, those that are doing Sunday school classes, if someone is more apt to go to that kind of a person or that person, then this is where we need to bridge the gap because how can we know what we don't know? But I, I do consulting for churches. I, I ask churches, are you willing for your community? Would you open the doors and host 
suicide awareness? Can we do a soul care workshop? Can we do a whole soul workshop where it, the doors are open to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about the elephant in the room, and this is a no-judgment, safe place where we're going we're gonna to bring hope and show you where help is and be that bridge builder. So it's not that, I, mean, I will say, ultimately, the church has the answer. We all need the Lord. Yes. Yes. But even wounded, if they're not coming into the church for a worship service, cannot the church open the doors and invite them with their wounds to come to something that speaks to their heart? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's Very true. true. Very yeah. strong truth yeah. that yes. you're speaking right there. Listen, guys, you're tuned in to the Review with Joy and Company. Tonight, we're visiting with Veronica Seitz, and we're talking about her book, Love Me to Life, Suicide Recovery at Church. Amazing story, amazing topic, actually. Very... Uh, very serious and endearing and uh, delicate topic, but she approaches it from a different direction, and we're going to talk about that approach in a minute, but I want to invite you to visit us at joyandcompany.org to get your copy of Love Me to Life, Suicide Recovery at Church. It's Especially, especially when you hear the statistics that, you know, suicide is the second leading cause of deaths among teens and young adults. And if you have a teen or a young adult in mm -hmm. your life, this is something that I think you really want to get attuned to um, what's happening with this crisis. And we talked about, Veronica, yes. do we have to say hi? Yeah. I, okay. I, I uh, Stella Alexander says, good evening, ladies. Hi, Stella. Adeline Adu Anunsa says, good evening, ladies. Oh, I hello. This was our up. author from last week. Yes. Thank you for jumping in with us again. And Daphne Watts says, well said about the church creating an atmosphere for this. Yes, yeah, that's good. You. Hello, Amen. Daphne. Thank you again for jumping in the stream with us. Always, we are grateful to have you visit with us. And Jana Lewis Perez says, good evening. Hi, Jana. Well, Veronica, you, um, you were talking about suicide prevention yet very early on your discussion your approach to suicide mm -hmm. it kind of caught me off guard mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. because you go into a deep discussion involving racial relationships economics to a degree mm -hmm. and how the country responds to crisis why are these topics important when discussion discussing suicide prevention i think a better way to say it you know in hindsight when the book was published, there was a lot going on. I think it's really important to understand that humanity has heritage. And we have a spiritual heritage. We have cultural heritage. Okay. We have financial heritage. Yes. Now, that can be, we will say, it, would, it falls under the umbrella of race, but it's really not a racial thing. It's, it's more... Um, the cultural background from which we come that's rooted and and here's a very good example mm -hmm. we all have bias and i talk about that in the book yes you do we start with a bias mm -hmm. we have attitudes and we have preconceived um notions. convictions yeah. notions convictions thoughts you know just they're there yeah and we kind of really need to take a look at how did i get there and 
really I point people to is it is this is this biblical if I am a follower okay. and I study the word I need to think about my thoughts and ask the Lord did these originate with you or where are they coming from you know that's an excellent point but you know that there is a school, a group of people. We can take the word of God and justify our stinking thinking with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, that is so. But it won't always pass the three ring test is what I call one ring for I the father, it. one for the son, one for the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the entirety being the word. Right. So one thing that the the enemy does and whether it's that situation which you talked about you know we can take the word at its um legalistic point and really yeah. miss the boat mm -hmm. truth will not compromise who the father is by attribute by word by promise Praise the Lord. nor will it compromise the life that christ lived modeled and that we are called to mirror yes nor will it conflict with the empowerment of the holy spirit to enact empower and live out the gifts of the spirit oh that's good that's good yeah so she did her homework and you will love the homework that she did with this book i'm telling you because the um the the statistics the um i can't think of the word what is it the um what did you do um i want to say this when you did the study the study, that the research you did, that the I research did, study that you so did I did, a, that I did, I surveyed. The, uh, the yeah, you surveyed yeah. several pastors and what have you. I so she did some homework with this book. Yes, I surveyed over a hundred pastors, chaplains, and individuals with lived experience mm -hmm. of various kinds, not yes. necessarily all touched by suicide, but. I would say 90% of them had been touched by suicide in some capacity, yeah. if not directly. It mm -hmm. was a second or a third separate degree away from them. Yes. But it touched them. It was close enough that it made an impact. And really the underlying was the church didn't minister to that hurt, and they remained so, with soul wounds right. is what I refer to them as. So, because you did such an in-depth research-type study with this book, let me ask you, who specifically was your targeted audience for the book? Who are you trying <laughs> to reach here? I'm trying, I'm actually calling to those that are ministering. Thank you for that, for changing that, trying yes. to call, and I like that. Yes, and, and yeah. that's, that's really... I, it's not mine to say that I am the one calling. Yeah. I am the voice calling out in the wilderness. I let the know. Holy Spirit speak and let who is heard call come. So I'm calling us to action, recognizing that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but many touch and get stuck in a dark place. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that mental health is a component a very big component of it however not only do i point out in the research but it comes out in the voices of others oftentimes and and i believe you mentioned it you know sometimes a person will find themselves in a place of desperation yes. and desperation is not depression although depression may be present in desperation mm -hmm. that's good so here's an example we are very open to minister to maybe a couple that is going through divorce okay and then 
perhaps the man is being ministered by the men's group and he's struggling with other things you know i'm going to lose the house i you know i'm fighting for this you know it's an element of and then you've got the the wife and then you've got the children because because here's here's the big big threat against the next generation i mean it's it's the second leading cause of death that is preventable here's the thing it's preventable to the Mm. degree that we are aware we are alert and we take action yes and so if we don't know that a perfect storm is beginning to brew that divorce is one thing now there's financial threat of existence Mm-hmm. to the parents to the children yeah then there's the threat let's just take it to the to the youth then there's the threat of i'm going to have to leave my friends leave all that is safety comfort and my safe space i'm going to be split and going here and there and then it's the you know honestly the enemy as he seeks to kill steal and destroy mm-hmm. he's going to accuse he's going to lie he's he's going to try his very level best to get somebody stuck in identity theft yes like if this happens to you you won't be seen you won't be viewed by the church or perhaps there's other wounds that um have happened that begin to bring up an old narrative it's like oh is the church going to abandon me now am i going to feel the love embrace me or am i going to feel the pain of i call it the cactus quills come out kind of like i'm i'm hurting and i have these little splinters sticking out because i'm hurting is the church willing to go, okay, maybe I can't embrace the hurt of that person, but I can recognize there's hurt, and can I love that person to recognize the hurt is so deep that we've got to stay close enough not to bump into the cactus, Mm -hmm. but close enough to go, hey, you know what? It's more like a porcupine. If If we can defuse the situation what we want is to walk with you through it recognizing there's going to be moments of flare-up but there is not going to be abandonment you may be going through spousal abandonment or you know detachment if you are a child but we are going to walk with you through this through the fire and i can certainly go ahead you know you were naming the different things that could happen but one thing you mentioned that i felt was uh a target of how the enemy can sneak in and you get in those situations and you start somersaulting and that was about sleep deprivation oh yes can you mm-hmm. elaborate on that for our audience that's an excellent point rose thanks for bringing that out yes i we don't we don't appreciate how much sleep factors into and i think because we've neglected how important sabbath is <laughs> the, the sabbath um Sleep deprivation is not very different. After a point of prolonged sleep deprivation, the brain actually behaves as a brain under the influence of a substance. It is not able to think clearly. It is in the fog. It doesn't remember. It um, gets, there's easy confusion. It's called a fog. Yes. And likened to, you know, 
unclear brains do not make clear choices. Well, unclear brains can really lean in to listen to the enemy as well. Yes. Because the the evidence sounds more compelling. Compelling. Yes. It feels more compelling. Right. And I like mm-hmm. I like the analogy you use comparing it to the drunk driver. Yes. Because when a person is liberated, they they just their mind is going here, there. They got all kind of craziness going on, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants you at a, a place of disconnect. Yes. So that he can weave his and way confusion. in. Yes. yes. Disconnect and confusion. He's all about chaos. Yes. And sleep deprivation does bring us to a chaotic point of operation. And, you know, as I tell somebody, if they're if they're down and having difficult circumstances already, a good a good thing to invite to your party where you're hurting if it's a pity party is don't don't invite um drugs or drinking because they don't make good choices right and in fact while there may be self-medicating taking place what is actually happening is the risk is elevating Mm -hmm. to act out in a poor choice because inebriation or a non-sober brain does not think logically to the end of consequences or results it's doing an immediate gratification to medicate pain yes, yes. in a temporary way. It did. You know, um, I think it was very brave of you, Veronica, to take on this subject matter and to do it in the manner in which you did it. Because uh, one of the things you did, and, and you spent a lot of time, um, your study with the clergy and um it was very diverse, very good job. I love the way that you, you really spread it out uh, demographically, Thank you. Uh, denominationally, you know, so I thought it was a very thorough research that you did. But listening to you guys discuss about sleep deprivation re- brings me to a point in the book where you talked about stewardship of wellness and stewardship of mind. Yes. Uh, those are some uh, pretty new terms for me. You guys know I'm limited. <laughs> Y'all probably know about all of that already. But to listen to you do that discussion in the book, tell our audience what you're talking about there and why is it important. Those, those, and, and you're not alone. Those, they're not. Those are not phrases or terms that are broadly open. In fact, as I was doing the research, oh, I was like, hmm. good. okay, good. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> I, I was writing, I thought, stewardship of wellness, like, oh, oh, okay, I'm going to look this up. I mean, like, is this, Lord, did you really give me something original? I mean, oh, so <laughs> it was that, it was that original? It, it was that original. Okay. Now, I did, I did find something, I can't remember if it was stewardship of wellness or stewardship of mind, because those were two things that I had not been familiar with, but as I was praying and writing and research, they just kept resonating. I was like, okay, I'm listening, Holy Spirit, and I will write, but I want to give credit to whom credit is due. I right. do not ever want to claim something original that was not given mm-hmm. to me by inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit because, you know, we do need to give honor to whom honor is due. Correct. So Correct. the stewardship of wellness really is based on the biblical principle that we are the temple mm-hmm. of living God. And we don't really often consider our state of wellness or compromise in illness as stewardship. Okay. So it, it, and here's a, it, this is going to hit close that's, to home to almost yeah. all of us. Uh-huh. I mean, how many of us, we know to go to the doctor if we are sick and symptomatic to a degree, you know? Yes. We also know when not to send somebody to school or go to work, but do we always follow through in those ways? Because there can be a whole lot of reasons we don't go. Yes. And I 
I will confess here <laughs> on air, I don't always go to the doctor. And I know that I could. I I will go so far as to say probably I should. No, because we um, have to reach back for those old home remedies, you know? That's <laughs> where I go. I go to grandma's, grandma's right. cabinet. Um, oh, but that I know stewardship, what this is. I can fix this. <laughs> but, but even that is a, is a form of stewardship because I do have a choice of how my body will be tended to. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, medicine is practicing. God is healing. Praise the Lord. And, you know, I I will do my research even if I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to prescribe something. I want to do my research before I say yes. I may walk out of there with a prescription, but I'm going to ask them what are the side effects. And I've I've learned and I know I can ask the doctor, but I'm going to go ask the pharmacist. Yes. Because that's who really knows, you know my concerns and i can ask them the questions and get the answers so well at least you're going to the pharmacist because we've gotten into the day and age now where people go to google Google, dr google i had this what am i supposed to do google what is this (laughs) dr google (laughs) dr google is a lot of research listen guys i just want to thank you for jumping in the stream with us tonight we're visiting with veronica seitz we're talking about her book love me to life suicide recovery at church and you can visit us at joyandcompany.org to get a copy of this book this is a read that will um you'll you'll gain a lot of knowledge from this uh reading this book and also i think it's going to open up doors of opportunities for you i think god is going to um shine some light on some things and that um we really do need to become more aware of and i like this year veronica rose that it seems this is the turn this season is that we're being more open with putting serious topics on the table here you know and this is definitely a topic that definitely needs to be on the table in the forefront of front of our mind and as veronica is suggesting in her book love me to life it's something something that the church should be addressing and we should no longer uh sweep it under the rug turn her back to it and just hush oh you know we're sitting there saying oh that's you know claudine that's her daughter that killed herself and what have you it's a stigma behind it and instead of stigmatizing it we need to verbalize it characterize it bring it give it life so that we are not afraid to discuss it and recognize it when it comes before us you know what i saw you doing uh beyond just suicide recovery you to me gave people tools to not get there. That's yes. that, that's yeah. the big because goal. You have scriptures when you lay the scripture out, you lay the scripture out to show them how God, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and the word applies to getting you through this rough spot. Yes. What what portion of the word can make you make it from now? Amen. You know. Mm-hmm. And I thought yeah. that was great because yes. you you went in depth with showing each scripture if you hear, this is what God says. Yes. And this is what the word says you are. This is what the word says you can do. Yes. This is what the word says who you are. And we, and we must be more efficient with using the word to silence the enemy. Because even he will use the word as a skin of truth. But then the compelling evidence, so to speak, to the person in a desperate situation is, well, here I am alone. Right. They've left. Here's, you know... 
just counting the inventory of all of the scriptures you use where it said cast all your burdens on me. yes 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 <laughs> and the enemy is like okay he, he supposed to take them so yeah we'll, didn't he say didn't he say that you know? yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah. So. yeah. um yes yeah. He, um the enemy is a liar i will just you know we know that here on in in this platform and the audience that is listening has has a level of conviction with that but we've got to really let that sink in he is a liar yes and he will go to great lengths to take a life mm -hmm. even if it is to compel a person down at their lowest point that the only way out of that situation is out of this world and that is not the truth yeah it is it is a lie from the pit, and what we've got to be able to do with the word is handle it in such a way that we have enough scripture in our arsenal, if you if you right. will, that mm -hmm. he may be using this one scripture and it sounds compelling, but he, let me, does it match with this other one? Because, like I said, it has to pass a three ring test. Right. Does it contradict the, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Because it it contradicts any of it. It's a lie. Yes. I don't care how much truth is present. If it contradicts one of the three, yes. it's, it's a lie. lie. It's a lie. Jerry a Rogers point. says, good evening. The subject may be heavy, but with Christ, there is no burden too heavy oh. for him. Oh, oh thank, thank you, you Jerry. It's yes. awesome. The book is based on the word. Mm -hmm. Yes, it mm -hmm. is. And there's mm -hmm. a lot thank of you, word in this book that is very applicable mm -hmm. and examples of it. Veronica, as I mentioned, and you did a little uh, talking about your discussion on stewardship. But yes. my question for you regarding that is how do you break through with these concepts, stewardship of mind? stewardship of wellness uh, speaking the word when you're in that dark place how do you break through with these concepts with someone who is in grief mode and their emotions are so tied up in their feelings of despair depression hopelessness you can't pe penetrate through the pain so it might be somebody um, and, and I have people in my life that I know that are really really there but they you how do you penetrate that wall of pain that they're in it's not so much that you it's penetrated it's we come alongside and acknowledge it acknowledge that it's there and while we may use language and you know i'm very big on language because we give meaning to the words that we use and i may hear somebody say well i'm in a wall and i'm here all by myself and I will be present next to them. I'll say, look, look at me for just a minute. Just look. Tell me what you see. They can name the nose on my face or the, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. Now reach out and touch me. Are you really alone? I want, I want to ask, I want to use the ministry of questioning as Christ modeled to allow the Holy Spirit to bring them to truth. Are you really alone? Yes. Because I'm right here. I know that it feels that way. And I know there's a lot that's taken place. And I'm not in your spot. But please look and see that I am here. And know that I am seeing you. And I don't want you to believe that you are alone. That's good. And yeah. I, I have a comment I want to share here from uh, SLB Lamont. He says, in the church, people must care in order to be a tool to be used. 
-hmm. said, God has given the church everything it needs. We must be willing vessels to be used by God. Amen. Awesome. Very true. That's so true. Thank you for that comment. That's very true. And, you know, that that's good gripping words to to bring things to light. We kind of talked about that. Rose and I, we were discussing the book earlier. Mm -hmm. We have a tendency to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the points that you made during our discussion, Rose, was that um, people having compassion for one another within the church, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we need to see that level up. We need to see that level up. And you know one of the one of the empowering things of recognizing how that levels up. So the stewardship of wellness is to recognize what the enemy meant for evil in our pain. Mm-hmm. As Scripture said, the Lord is will work things together for good. Okay, it may not be good. It's not good right now, but His plan, as declared by Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, is to prosper, not to harm. So what the enemy meant for evil and destruction. When we will turn it over to the Lord, he has a plan of production out of that pain. So he takes Mm -hmm. the pain and transforms the tragedy into a triumph when we allow it, when the body of Christ comes around it, and when we can all encourage the most wounded to release it, to release it. But it's really up to the individual to Mm -hmm. trust and release because you cannot receive until you release. Yes. And so when we are in our woundedness, I do talk about the wounded soul a lot in there. Yes. It's that which you cannot see. Mm-hmm. It certainly can be felt because we are living beings made in the image of God, but it's not tangible. What the impact and the understanding stewardship of mind and stewardship of wellness is what goes into the mind is going to affect our body in some way. If our feelings get hurt, we feel it. It may yes. feel like needles. It may, it, you know, we feel it physically in our body. What we don't see is the chemistry changes that are taking place. Yes. We don't yes. see the wiring going off in our brain. Mm-hmm. But because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that also means... That as the Lord wove us together in our mother's womb, the plan that he had for us already foreknew Mm -hmm. if desperation was part of what would touch our lives. But scripture tells us there is no temptation given to man that the Lord has not given a way out. Yes. And we must use the sword of the Lord and have lots of arsenal so that we recognize when the skin of truth has been used by the enemy because he will use the truth and twist it because as a scripture says he masquerades as the angel of light you know he's not coming out going i am dark he's masquerading (laughs) hey doesn't this look good you know listening to you uh refer to the word of god so much and and in reading the book uh the way that you have tons and tons of scripture it lessens the um the fear element of dealing with suicide, suicidal mm. victims, oh, yeah. or yeah. Uh, families who were left behind from persons who may have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a suicide affects even people that are not necessarily in your intimate circle. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Um, I remember, and, and this happened a few years, several years ago, but I was working in North Dallas and I worked a young lady 
on um, the job that I worked on committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And I was affected by that. Mm -hmm. I knew this young lady in passing. She worked, you know, she, she worked with the group that I worked with. So I interacted with her, but I knew that she, I thought she was just a quiet person you know, and I know that some people are not very sociable, you know, so we kind of, she was that person. But when this happened, and the night before going to work, you're looking at the evening news, and you, I saw this mm -hmm. happening. Well, you didn't see it happen, but, you know, the news was covering mm -hmm. it. And the young lady actually jumped off of one of the interstates over in North mm -hmm. Dallas. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't sleep that night. At mm -hmm. the time, I didn't know that it was the lady on my job, okay, mm -hmm. when I saw it on the news. Yeah. But I was just so disturbed that someone so young had gotten to that point in life that they mm -hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. And then to go to work the next day and find out that it was the young lady that worked with me, it really affected me because I felt here I am, a born-again Christian, Mm -hmm. Could I have not, should I have not seen or been able to discern or reached out more, you know? it, it mm -hmm. So it really did. It, it was tumultuous for many of us on the job, yes. you know? Um, so sure when, when that happens, you just don't know how broad the circle is that is affected by that act, yeah. you know? And I want to read this comment. Uh, SLB Lamont says, when you talk about the wounded, sometimes those who are leading are bleeding. Ooh. Mm. And that's why Amen. there's no that's help true. like mm -hmm. it should be. Mm -hmm. wow. Leadership must get a therapist also. Yes. And he says, hey, Veronica, do you think that some in leadership are not believing or trusting what they preach or teach? I don't, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that they're not believing it. It is hard to believe when we are leading in the church and experiencing a lack of what we're preaching in the teaching of we are to love one another and walk with each other through the valley of the shadow of death. Leadership. I, love, I do like what he said. I will say I love what he said because it's true. Those that are leading are bleeding. Yes. And this is, this is the wound of suicide that is not seen. Mm -hmm. It is an internal bleed that no one sees. But we must learn to recognize, and I'm, I am passionate about it. I say we must learn because, as you mentioned, it affects even if we're not that close yes but it affects us because especially as believers we have a value of life that knows it was bought with a price yes the precious blood of christ so yes it's going to hurt us when a life ended before it, it needed to yes it yes. didn't end before god knew it would it ended before we can wrap our minds how and yet Oh, for the free will of man, I cannot even give any more than that other than to say the Lord will never force somebody beyond mm -hmm. the plan that he already foreknew, but he can transform. And so I tell people a lot of times the biggest struggle, going back to this leading and bleeding, is as leaders, we, we are met with the question why so often. 
and we grapple with that one too i often encourage people if we would look at proverbs and and recognize why is not where we start that's simon Sinek's idea um that's not where we start i like that um he said don't lean on your own understanding but acknowledge me i will direct your path if we would look to scripture for the how then when it touches our lives even though we're going to wrestle with why because that's human nature we just we we beg answers but we will not get the answer to why because that conversation stopped with the deceased yes the how can be answered if we are willing to lean in and listen and listen as if we might be wrong even mm-hmm. because First of all, Scripture is going to correct us and direct us. Yeah. The voice of lived experience is going to give us a perspective that we might have opinions about, but just like a testimony, you can't argue with somebody's survival. And what we as a, as a body of believers have an opportunity to do is take people from a place of merely surviving to learning to thrive in Christ. And that's, that's the bridge that we can gap i like that yes yes. don't just survive learn to thrive learn learn to thrive and given the um the you're narrowing down what is expected and what is needed from leadership okay Mm -hmm. this person is uh commenting again they says that's good however the teaching preacher must apply the very word that he or she shares sometimes the Lord wants the leader to apply it themselves as they go Amen. through. Got to keep living. Amen. Amen. He and said, yes. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for interjecting and bringing out some really wonderful points. We do appreciate it. And, and that is so really very good. Let me ask you, Veronica, what are some of the myths you're finding after having done the book and you're you're talking about this more to um, dip clergy and and everybody else. Um, what are some of the myths you're finding that people hold are holding on to um, when they are um, being faced with someone who is dealing with suicide or the family that might be left behind? How are we hindering progress with myths like that? Oftentimes we, by repeating, not necessarily negating that it could be a myth. A myth is failure to look into the truth. Mm -hmm. And so if we repeat that, well, you couldn't have stopped them anyway. There is a skin of truth to that in this. I train, and every time I do a workshop, I say, I'm giving you everything I can and know this, and I have to enact it as well. You can do everything well, correct, and to the book, but understand this. It is that person's ultimate choice of actions, but encourage them to stay sober Mm -hmm. because a sober mind is more apt to choose life than it is an insober life is going to choose action. And there are more survivors that have voiced the instant of action. They realized death is not what they wanted. They just did not know how to live. Hmm. I like how you put it. You said a sober mind is a well mind. Yeah. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. It is. And, exactly. you know, and the sleep-deprived mind is not sober. Exactly. exactly. So get your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is something that I have to remind myself often to do. Like, you really need to sleep. Mm-hmm. But um, thinking about that, when we talk about myths, one of the things you discussed in the book that I thought was quite interesting mm-hmm. is the term that we use that a person committed suicide. Um, Let's talk about that. Why is that not a a good, well, I mean, we know it's not a good thing to happen, but what's wrong with that terminology? I'm going to, let me just put it that way. Yes, and thank you, because I I was going to, I was trying to find a way to, it keeps being used, and that's okay, but I'm going to just give some effective, an acronym is called HELP. Okay. HELP, okay, so healthy Mm -hmm. emotional language please okay okay healthy emotional language is recognizing the word commit while it fits in context it's a moral injury for a person to take their own life it 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 morally wounds the soul because a life has been lost from our economy of everything that we can think know and appreciate about life is unnecessarily the life has been lost unnecessarily it could have been prevented. So when you're saying it's a moral in- injury, mm-hmm. the moral injury, is it to the ones who are left behind or the moral injury? It's in- to the, that's where the word commit comes from. Okay. Commit. So if you think, think about it in the context of a homicide. A person okay. commits a crime. Yes. Okay. Homicide and suicide means the taking of a life. It comes down to the difference between who's doing the taking of life. Exactly. Someone of another or one to To themselves. And so either creates a moral injury to the survivor who has attempted on their own life, uh, attempted to take their own life. There actually is what's called a double moral injury because now there's, there is a, a gaping reality that they've acted on. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody is this way, and not, nor am I saying that somebody's character is capable of it. Um, I'm just going to use, I'll use my case. I had to work through the fact that how, as a believer, did I get there? Mm-hmm. How, it, it doesn't, again, an insober mind does not make good choices. Right. So the injury that I sustained for the actions that I took was something the Lord really had to work in me and through me because the injury was deep knowing I had caused a lot of pain. And by God's grace, I would get the opportunity. And when I say would, it wasn't like I get to. It's like, no, you will. You will go through healing. Mm -hmm. Because it was not really for years afterwards that the Lord reminded me you remember way back there when you were 20 you said you'd go through anything to help anyone I was like oh man <laughs> someone wants you to uh, repeat the the health health emotions healthy emotional language please healthy emotional language please, please. so and as we we think about the power that words have and the power of our tongue that acronym is Mm -hmm. really important particularly in today's society you know uh healthy emotional language language 
please. It's, it's, it is so much about what are we speaking into existence in our lives and into the lives of others. Yes. And yes, Stella, I am saying that because she's always <laughs> telling me to watch what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, the tongue has the power of life and death because of the words we speak. So commit a replacement word, a healthy emotional language to use is somebody died by suicide. That was the cause of death. Because suicide already says it was a self-killing. Yes. But to a family who's been touched by suicide, they've already gone through an entire process when their loved one was found dead that felt like a crime scene because it pretty much was. Nobody could go. There had to be an investigation, all of these things. So they're already feeling the brunt of a crime committed. Yes. There's the moral injury. But if we can love in such a way that we will use some healthy emotional language, then we will recognize it could be kinder to the family to hear my their daughter died by suicide. Just like somebody died of cancer, it's they didn't go out and choose cancer to be right. the be the final right. breath. It's the cause of death was suicide. And there, there's other languages. So commit, a better replacement is to just say died by suicide. Yeah. Um, survived mm -hmm. is, it's appropriate, but succeeded, not appropriate. Okay. Somebody does not succeed. With suicide. No. There's no success yeah. there. And nor is it failure if they didn't die. Somebody wow. attempted to take their life, Period. point blank. Yes. They attempted to take their life because if we want to use that language, it's going to cause damage. Yes. Um, I see it. Listen, yeah. Hearing it, mm -hmm. you know, now that we're on this topic, I can, you see it when mm -hmm. I, you hear it. I see and why. It's, it's an awareness. It's a buzz to the listeners, too, <laughs> because yes. Janice Harris Curry says, good evening, ladies. Healthy emotional language, please. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Impactful. And very much so. Lamont had said we must stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit a while back. Amen. Yes. 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 I need to meet Lamont. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Lamont. We're enjoying your yeah. contributions you. tonight. Uh, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced, both spiritually and in the natural, when you were writing this book? Because I know there had to be some. Oh, there were I, plenty. I know it. I could feel <laughs> Yes, there were plenty. I'm like, um, she went through some things to put this book together. I, I can tell. I Lamont says, well, you helping because in the churches, we just say the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, I do, I love too. That. We yeah. do. We have, we have well-meaning intentions. Mm -hmm. But even the best well-meaning in grief, you brought something, you know, we can mean well, but there is a time. I and mean, we need to be, let's think about the word ecclesiastical. We okay. must think of the book of Ecclesiastes. There is a time and a season for everything. Yes. We got a lot of uh, Christianese, and we got a lot of biblical language and, and scripture we can throw out. But it's not always the right time to bring it to the table because the context is yes christ is needed the word is needed but we are his hands and feet and sometimes mm -hmm. what needs to show up is the body on mute Oof. just be present yes be present and let 
the presence of the Holy Spirit speak to the fact that you showed up, the fact that you didn't leave, and the fact that even as exhausting, and this is the hardest part, even as, as exhausting as it may be to minister to somebody that struggles with mental health, yeah. mm-hmm. it's not ours to fix it. It's ours to debunk the lies of the enemy. So, mm-hmm. yes, refer to a counselor, but please do not forget that it's a person, mind, body, and soul. The counselor cannot minister to the soul like the body of Christ can. And so we must minister to the whole person. And that's where the opportunity for learning, growth, um, opening the doors from within the church, but also equipping the people in the church from a biblical perspective. How now do we minister to the most wounded? Because I do believe in that as times grow closer to the Lord coming, Mm-hmm. much of what we're going to see in the tribulation is the losing of the one mind no one wants to have. And is it not the Lord that said, be transformed by the renewing, renewing of the renewing of our mind? Yes. That perfect and yeah. acceptable will of God. Exactly. Amen. Yes, Amen. exactly. Adeline says, I think the sober mind should apply to the church also. The reality is that the church may not be trained to deal with such traumatic stages. It seems easier to react at the issue. Lamont says, thank you, Veronica. There is ministry in shutting up. Be quiet. Is he telling me to be quiet? No. He says, no, 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 no. no, no, He says, Job's friends would not close their mouths. Ah, true, true to fact. And Job's friends, they gave him a mouthful, you know. They were uh, not the friends you want to have when you're going through something. That is for no. certain. I, my eyes are keep going up here. I'm looking at the time. <laughs> it is being well spent. Guys, you've been tuned in to the Review with Joy and Company. We are, we are visiting with Veronica Seitz, talking about her book, Love Me to Life, Suicide Recovery at Church. This is an excellent book to have in your on your shelf but close at hand because you never know when you'll need it and uh, if you're in ministry I would say this is a must-have read yes. because this book opens up so much that we are missing and um, I like one thing in the, at the initial part I, I did make a note of this where you talk about the advantages of having a questioning ministry oh yes let's talk about that we, we're gonna take just a couple of minutes maybe <laughs> and talk about that I have that written down I don't know exactly how I worded the question but um, as opposed to stirring the listeners curiosity versus a questioning ministry what's the difference between those two and how as uh church leaders do we impart that christ modeled it beautifully in his ministry okay he so often would ask questions yes to provoke the way that we are wired Mm -hmm. is to seek answers he tells us seek first the kingdom of god and it will be found you know it will be open unto you Mm -hmm. the there's a reason for that we are wired to seek answers. So if we can learn through discipleship the value of questions to pose to someone to get them to think and give space for the Holy mm. Spirit to provide answers, mm. that's what questioning ministry is. It's not questioning whether ministry is or that. It's 
let's learn how to ask questions to beg answers from the nature that needs the truth to really resound in it but it also gives space for the holy spirit to be sought yes because he is out there seeking whom is lost however if we're missing the opportunity to ask a question we haven't stirred in them the desire to go searching for the answers and the word says seek me and i will be found yes. so when there is a there is a question pitched out there mm-hmm. and we're not giving all the answers uh-huh. I mean, we have the answers we've got the word but it's not us that are supposed to give every answer we are empowered to call men to christ and so we need to give space for him to do the calling yeah and for them to do the seeking because he is already seeking them right and let's just allow that space for them to come together (laughs) that's good the says the only reason we don't seek the kingdom is because of the accountability it brings to us Uh Mm -hmm. oh we don't want to give up you're really taking us someplace (laughs) we don't want to give up our mess (laughs) he said that's good we don't want to give up our what our mess oh when you were talking it reminds me of therapy because when you go Mm. to a therapist they really don't tell you what to do. They ask you questions, and they get you to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you really, they're making you think. Mm-hmm. And you're really opening up and saying what needs. They'll say, well, why do you think that? Or, you know, well, what if you did this? What do you think about that? Yeah. And, you know? And, you know, here's, here's a very good example in the church. For example, we will hear things come out of someone's mouth. And sometimes we are so quiet because we're busy formulating our judgment or opinion or like, holy smoke, we're having this conversation in our own head versus, do you really believe that? Because sometimes we've had so many conversations of self-talk in our self that when it comes out of our mouth, for example, I just don't think I can go on anymore. And it just comes out in conversation, I've me i have heard it and i'm like now that that is a showstopper for me i'm like mm, okay i heard that one i want you to know that i heard it and like hold on just a minute here's what i just heard so that's how i'm demonstrating that i was listening and i repeat what i heard and then i end it with the question is are you really believing that i didn't say that yes that is what you said but i'm asking because have you ever considered is it something that you're believing because out of the wellspring of the heart flow the words so Mm -hmm. we've got to be willing to catch the lies that may be believed but unknown unknown or unseen or heard yeah that's good good i was just asking for a few more minutes are we good because i I have some more questions (laughs) i love it i love this conversation i love this dialogue that we're doing because um i hope to those of you who listen to this, if you're out there and uh, you're, um, you're listening to the show, or even if you're viewing us on Facebook, this is definitely a topic that you want to um, kind of research and, and dive into and just see how close to home it is. Because if you think about it, just like when I picked up the book and started reading it, I started recounting people that I've encountered mm. who have been uh, victims to suicide or who have been, whether it was directly or indirectly. And it affects more people than you know, you know. 
and than you would care to admit. Let me put it that way. It affects more people. You know more people who have been affected by this plague than what you would care to admit to know. And many that would not be willing to admit that they've been touched by it. Exactly. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I, in part of the research, I surveyed 250 students. Okay. Very willing to say they'd been touched by suicide. Same number of business people. Two people raised their hand yeah. publicly. It was done the same way. Uh -huh. But it's by the time we become adults and touched by so many other things, the innocence of child, you know, just the nature of a young person doesn't have, we, we get to judgments and hurts to places where stigma and shame and all of these things are, are shackled into why we, we can't raise our hand because it hurts, yes. you know, to be, to, to say, I am touched by, have been touched by suicide would ask a lot of questions and I'm just not willing because again 250 students among their peers feel more safe than 250 adults amongst their peers because those adults fall into the um the age and the category where we may fall into and we were read to believe that that's bad that is the yes. worst thing mm -hmm. that anybody especially from a christian standpoint mm -hmm. um i can remember being told that that is the one thing you would not be forgiven for but i have grown to know that that's not true because God will forgive anything if we just come to him. And, and that's, you know? that's a very common myth. Yes. And it is. it is a myth because the thing about it is there's only one unforgivable thing according to the word, and that is not to receive Christ, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I don't think we really give enough credence to how much space grace actually covers because betrayal is not the unforgivable sin. No, it's not. And it does, and I touch on it in the book. It causes me, and I, I present a very compelling bunch of evidence. How do we really know where Judas is? We've yeah, all we've do. all betrayed at some that. level. We yeah. all have betrayed on some level in some capacity. But with that said, I what I would like to do this if if you give me a, a moment. I never I never speak anywhere where I do not challenge the listeners to put in your phone okay. a hotline okay better to have it and never need it than to need it and not have it because while we may not know the signs if somebody's in distress the suicide hotline is 800-784-2423 again the suicide hotline is 800-784-2433 there is now and it is still now for the state of texas it's not fully up and activated, but as there has been a 911 for all emergencies, there is now a suicide 988. Wow, I so, didn't know that. Yes, and that is nationwide, but it is still rolling out. But um, it's better to have that and be able to text it to somebody in distress, say, hey, listen, I'm not equipped to help you, and I'm not saying that you're in this place of distress, but just in case... Here are volunteers that are trained, have the number, give them a call. And one thing that we can do is we actually can facilitate that call. I always say use their phone, tell them borrow your phone, and let me make this call and just hand it to them. 
That's so good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. I, you know, you made, you give us so many nuggets in Love Me to Life. So many things that make you want to ponder and say, you know, I never thought about this this way. But one thing that you said that really touched me, I wrote it down because I wanted you to expound on it a little bit. Um, you made this statement, and it's somewhere it's around page 65 if you need to refresh. It is often other people who will not let a hurting person move into the future of hope with the promise of restoration. I thought that was so powerful. Yes, again, the power of our words. Because of woundedness, oftentimes the person hurt by the act of attempted suicide. Now, this is a scenario where there's a, a, a temp survivor okay. is reminded, well, you did this. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what the enemy does. He stays in the past. And it's very important to go, okay, true, I did. It's not my identity, and it's not what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I also hurt. I don't know how deeply you hurt, but I want to move forward. If you'll allow me the space to move forward and know that, that I don't forget what I did, and right. neither does the enemy let me forget what I give, it would help me if you quit reminding me. Mm -hmm. And let's both get help. Yeah. 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 Wow. I thought that that really struck me, and I was like, I need to remember that. That's good. That's good. Well, we definitely have run out of time. <laughs> it's really, it's really the it's, it's for real right now. <laughs> well, thank you. But we could definitely go on and on. And I do want to say this because you are available to go to ministries and conduct workshops. Or yes. if, if I, am I right? That um, is correct. Let them let our audience know how they can reach you. If anyone is listening or does listen to this, and you're interested in having more information about how you and your ministry can be impactful with responding to a crisis such as suicide how can they reach you my website is conflictresolutionspeaker.com and i have a lot of programs under what is available as workshops that are there and it's um, not just mm -hmm. not privy to the act of a of a suicide but there's so many no. other uh, crisis um, that we can go to individually and corporately that you're available to help with, right? Yes, that yeah. is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was astounded when I read that 90% of the pastors who responded, pastoral respondents, did not have anything in place for how to specifically handle family crisis in their ministry. It's very common. And um, so those of you who are in that 90 percentile, you should be contacting Veronica Sites because she can help you fix that problem. Yes. 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 Yeah. Rose, any final comments? No. Well, I do want to remind you that um, we are approaching, vastly approaching June 17th. I can't believe May is just almost gone yes. it, it's everything is moving so fast and i want to remind you that our roaring lambs is hosting their annual christian writers conference saturday june 17th from 9 30 a.m to 3 30 p.m 
guess what, guys? You still have time to grab a hold of the early bird special. You can do that all the way up until June 1st. So contact uh, RoaringLambs.org and secure your spot at this wonderful Writers' Conference. You won't be sorry. And uh, we're still accepting readers, right, Rose? Yes. Readers and authors. Yes. For authors, go to joincompany.org. And for readers, you can email me at henri.2015 at yahoo.com. That's it. And we're going to be on our way out of here in just a moment. I do want to let you know that we won't be doing Facebook Live next week because we'll be somewhere. Hopefully I'm somewhere eating a nice piece of barbecue. That would be nice for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I want you guys to be safe out there. And uh, don't forget to, to, you can still listen. We'll be doing a replay probably. And uh, we'll be back on the first Monday in June. Any final comments, Rose? I think I just asked you that, right? You did. And I want to make sure, because I would like our guest author tonight to leave us with the final word of what is it that you want your targeted audience, your readers, to take away from Love Me to Life. There's always hope and there's help. And you might be the next person to help. So please just get equipped. I like that. That's short, that's sweet, that's to the point. That's how we do it here sometimes. <laughs> Thank you so much for jumping in the stream with us tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. So until then, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Our purpose is to promote and support Christian literature. If you're an author, contact us at joyandcompany.org. We'd love to be in the midst of your company. And by the way, what are you reading?